Media Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Amen. Sound good? Praise God. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you turn to the book of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 7, 36 through 48. We're going to be reading a little bit. Luke 7, 36 through 48. <clears throat> And it says, and if you don't have your Bibles, you can follow up here on the screen with me. It says, on uh, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house, we're talking about Jesus, and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. Uh, of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this woman, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Amen. Let's pray over this word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, for everything that you are, Lord. Everything that you do, Father God, everything that you have done and everything that you are going to do, Lord. We ask right now, Father God, that you open up our hearts and our minds, Lord, to receive the word that you have given this morning, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've entitled uh, today's message, Grounded Gratitude. Grounded Gratitude. In America, we have this uh, day called Thanksgiving, which most of you are pretty aware of, I'm sure. Um, and this, this Thursday, you're probably going to celebrate the holiday with your, your family, and you're probably going to eat a lot and, and have a lot of fun. And, and then you're going to quickly forget about Thanksgiving and go back into Christmas mode. Notice I said go back into, because many of you are probably already in Christmas mode, right? Um, and so that, that for just one like little second that we have to celebrate Thanksgiving, what do we do? We look at our lives, and, and we try to be grateful for the things that we have, despite the things that we don't have. And sometimes, if you don't have a lot of things, that's kind of hard to do, if we're honest. And you're looking at what you don't have, and, and you're look, looking at your life at what could be better, what should be better, um, to be grateful for those things. But I think, this is just a theory, okay? I, I think that we trick ourselves into being grateful for things that we shouldn't really be thankful for, but because we think that's what it means to have an attitude of gratitude. We say, well, I'm always going to be thankful for everything that comes my way. And that, that's, that's okay, but I think that's, that's not the right approach. I think we could do a little bit better. Um, 
Because you can't convince yourself to be grateful for something that you're not really grateful for. You can say thank you for it, but gratitude runs a little bit deeper than just saying thank you. Right? You're not thankful for the bad things that happen in your life. You're not. You might be grateful for, for what it produces. It might produce something good, but when it's happening in the moment, you're not grateful for it. You're not grateful for the evil that exists in your life, the evil that exists in our world, because it's not from God. Evil isn't from God. He is not the author of it. So it's not that we have to, it's not that we have to be grateful for everything that happens, but we are to be thankful all the time because as the psalmist says, God is good and his, and his love endures forever, Right? God is good and his love endures forever. That's why we're thankful. Because if I'm a product of of something good that is always happening, it never stops, it transcends every season of of pain and struggle, we always have a reason to be thankful. That makes sense to you? Because God is always good, and so we should always be thankful because he is always good. Maybe that's the mindset that we need to possess. We need to take our gratitude off of the things that, that pass away and fade out and instead be grateful for who God is and what God gives. Because God is always giving good things. God is always good. And so I'm not, I'm not telling you not to be like appreciative of the things that, that you have, but don't ground gratitude in possessions. That's the message. Don't ground gratitude in possessions. And that is counterintuitive maybe to what you've been taught in your life because chances are growing up, your parents always said, be thankful for what you have. Be thankful. Say thank you. I give you this, you say thank you. We teach, I I mean, me and Melissa, we teach Layla to say thank you. Anytime you get a gift, you say thank you because I know how your face looks when you get gifts. You just say thank you, okay? Just do it. Just say thank you. Be, Be grateful, right? And, and, and you probably tell your kids that. It's something that, that, that we teach. You know, you don't need more toys. You don't need more toys. You have plenty of toys. Be grateful for what you have. And then we, we, we talk about, you know, the, the kids in third world countries, right? Like, they, they don't have anything. You have all this. Be, be grateful. I'm like, okay. I remember one time, um, it was after Christmas, I was in kindergarten, and uh, this kid brought in this big transformer doll, um, that he got for Christmas. He barely could fit it in his backpack. He brought it for show and tell. Everyone was like, wow, that is amazing. I went like two, two students after him. I had my Gumby doll. You remember Gumby? The little bendy green little piece of junk that, but yeah, be grateful. Be grateful. Be grateful for what you have. The thing, what I'm saying is you should never ground gratitude in things. Don't ground gratitude in things. It should, it should never be grounded in a what, but rather in a who. Because what you have, I'll tell you why, what you have in one season is going to be different than what you have in another season. And so what that's going to create is levels of gratitude, where depending on what you have, that's going to determine your level of gratitude. If I told you you want a million dollars, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to, I have my plan. You already have your plans if you want a million dollars. You already know exactly what your next step is. And you're going to be dancing and crying, and you'll be like, Lord, I prayed for this, and you heard my cry. You might be speaking in tongues. I mean, you're going to go crazy. Thank you, Jesus. If I told you you want five dollars, huh, cool. That sounds good. Right? Instead, Ground your gratitude on a who. 
grounded in Jesus because Jesus is infinitely good. Jesus is infinitely loving, infinitely kind, infinitely merciful. And so that creates an infinite amount of gratitude. You can appreciate what you have in your life, but be grateful for God alone because he is enough. I think that the church has forgotten about this very simple, practical truth, and that's just to be grateful. Just to be grateful, church. And, and you know, perhaps when you first came to Christ, I mean, you gave, you gave God thanks for everything. Everything. I mean, you looked at your life in a whole other other light. I mean, it had new meaning. I mean, the food tasted better. The air smelt fresher, even though you still lived in Pasadena, right? Like it, like it was good. Like you were giving God thanks for everything, but somewhere along the way, we slowed down on the gratitude and, and gratefulness became grumbling. And then grumbling became grumpiness. You know what I'm talking about? And so this, this isn't to say that, that we've lost our appreciation for, for what God has done for our lives, but appreciation doesn't go as deep as gratitude. Appreciation should be reserved for things, not for the who. And in this story that we read, it might, be, it might have been the appreciation that this Pharisee had for Jesus that got Jesus an invitation into his home. Jesus, I appreciate everything that you do, what you're about. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I support you. I support your ministry. Come over to the house. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, you know, we're just going to hang out and I'm going to show you that appreciation. I don't know if that's, I don't know if it was appreciation. It could have been something else. It could have been a different motive. But I think that many times we fail to have an attitude like the sinful woman who washed Jesus' feet. And instead, we carry an attitude much like the Pharisee. See, in these days, the, the, uh, anytime a prominent figure would, would go to someone's house and, and the whole neighborhood heard about it, they would make themselves like uninvited guests. They would gather around the house of, of the host of whoever uh, had invited this prominent figure. In this case, it was Jesus. And, and they, would, they would gather around the house and they'd try to listen in to their conversation, try to, try to see what they're doing. It's kind of like the, the, the ancient version of, of podcasting, right? And, and, and so Jesus is there with this, this uh, Pharisee, Simon, and they're having a conversation. They're reclining at the table. And people are there, and then all of a sudden, Jesus feels something on his feet. And if it were us, we would probably, you know, get up out of our, our, our chair and, and, you know, scream a little bit. And you might think it's a bug or like a snake or something. Or, um, Jesus turns around, and, and th- th- there's this woman washing his feet. And that sounds weird to us today, I know. But in this day, to wash someone's feet was one of the most humbling things that you could do. It showed honor. It showed respect. It showed humility and it showed gratitude. And if you notice something in the story, she didn't show her gratitude because of what she had. She wasn't saying, thank you, Jesus, for that one time that you did this thing. Thank you, Jesus, for this. Thank you for that. She just showed her gratitude because it was, it was so deeply felt and she had gratitude because of who Jesus was. See, we, we've, we've been taught to say, we've been taught to say thank you for the things in our life, right? I've been taught that way. I would say that that's, I would say that that's good. That's great. That's healthy. You should. You don't want to be ungrateful. But 
But then a lot of times we bring that into our prayers of thanksgiving, which again are many times determined by what we have. And we're good at saying thank you despite what we don't have, but I don't think that that's what it should be about at all. When you get on your knees, typically the first thing that you do is give thanks. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for for this meal. Thank you. And and you start to kind of go through all the things in your head that you have. Thank you, Lord, for for my health. I don't have a million dollars, but I have my health. Thank you for my family, Lord. Thank you for my job. But if I can get that other job, that'd be great. But at least I have this one, right? And that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But most of the time, the gratitude stops right there. That's it. And then we begin to pray for the things that we don't have. Things. Don't ground gratitude in things. Appreciation doesn't bring you to tears like it brought this woman. It doesn't make you want to give everything that you have to to this person because you feel you owe such a massive debt to something or to something that you just appreciate. But gratitude, it it takes a whole other level because gratitude says, Lord, thank you for constantly resurrecting me even though I am constantly dying. I don't know how you do it. You sustain my spiritual life. Thank you for that. Thank you for the sacrifice that you paid for me over 2,000 years ago that still controls my destiny today. Thank you for looking past my sin and, and my imperfections and my weakness and looking at me with eyes of love. I don't deserve that. I can never repay you for anything. So all I give you is my gratitude. That's gratitude. That's not appreciation. I appreciate a lot of you. And I might, I might even take you out to lunch one day to show you that I appreciate you, but I, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm definitely not going to wash some of y'all's feet, you know? <laughs> that's a whole, that's, I mean, that is so much deeper. That's giving everything because I can't, I can't even show, I can't show you this with a meal. I can't show you this with an invitation to my house. I can't show you this with, with the gift card from Target. I mean, I, this is this is so much more. I don't even know what to do myself, but I'm, I'm going to give you everything that I have because I'm grateful for not what you give me, but who you are. The church has to come back to gratitude, church. We have to come back to gratitude. That gratitude that we, that we received when we first uh, were resurrected from the grave of our spirit. Verse, uh, verse 39, it says this. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this, this was who was touching him. For she's a sinner. Ironically, this, this Pharisee, who was a teacher of the law, he was very well respected. He was reputable. He was taught, by a, he was taught a lesson by a woman he thought he would never learn anything from. Her, from. That's, how, that's how we are sometimes. That's how Christians are sometimes, right? Have you ever met a person who's just so stubborn? They're unteachable. You can't teach them anything. And they might say, oh, it's not that I'm unteachable. It's just that I, I can't learn certain things from certain people. I need someone who's above me. I need someone who's, who, who's been where I'm trying to go. I need someone who's, who's got more degrees, who's, who's got more experience. I, I, I need someone, uh, someone wiser. I can't, I can't learn from, can't learn from you. Layla teaches me things all the time. My four-year-old. She'll remind me of things that we taught her that we don't always apply. 
And she teaches me of, of how, to, how to apply those things that we teach her. So she's teaching me. Sometimes I'll complain about something, you know, like, like a Whataburger forgot to put spicy ketchup in the bag. And I'm like, man, what's the point of eating? Right? Like, this makes a meal. Like, come on. I'm so angry. I'm so upset. Like, seriously, you had one job. Put spicy ketchup in there. And, and, and Layla will say, Daddy, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Right. Or sometimes I'm really, really hungry on the way home and I'll grab a fry. And she's like, Daddy, did you pray? She takes an initiative at the table. She'll pray. I love that. I love that. And she reminds me, because sometimes I do forget to pray, because somehow I'm hungry, right? (laughs) But every time, every time, she prays. Every single time. And she'll pray out loud. And I'll I'll pour her some cereal in the morning. I'll go and and get ready. No one's at the table. And I'll hear her praying. Bless my heart. But we can learn from just about anyone, church. You can learn from someone who doesn't have the same experience that you have. You can, you, you can learn from someone who doesn't have as much education. You can learn from someone half your age. You can learn from someone twice your age. You can even learn from someone who doesn't even work in the same industry that you work in. And Christians don't typically try to learn things from new Christians or sinners because those are the ones who come broken. Those are the ones who need restoration. Those are the ones who, have, who, who need all the things that I already have. And so we think that we could teach them everything. Well, you need to be discipled. You're the one who needs fixing. They're the, they're, they're the sinners. We forget, we forget that we're sinners too. We're just forgiven sinners. And, and a lot of times, it's, it, it's, it's the ones that are broken church that come up for prayer. They don't care. They'll come up for prayer and they'll ask it. And it's the ones who, who are, are lost, who aren't afraid to ask for direction. It's the ones that have made so many mistakes that they break down at the very thought that Jesus is still for them and Jesus loves them. It's the ones that that get saved for the first time that become so zealous for the things of the Lord. They want to give everything up and follow Jesus. I remember my cousin, man, when he got saved, he got saved like 20 times every 20 minutes. Every time there was a special service, anytime someone asked, hey, do you want to receive Jesus? He'd be like, yeah, I want to receive Jesus. I'm like, bro, you just received Jesus yesterday. Like, did you really get that far into sin? Like in 24 hours, you know, but he was so zealous. And the seasoned Christians, which we, a lot of us are very mature seasoned Christians, I would say in our church. But sometimes we look at these sinners now, we don't say it, but we think it. Man, look at these baby Christians. So much to learn. It's because they don't know. They still need maturing. God is still working on them. And that's the mentality that this Pharisee had, looking at this sinful woman. What are you doing? This is my guest, and you're going to come, and, and you're going to wash his feet? How, how, first of all, how disrespectful to me as the, as the host, as the owner of this home, She doesn't even realize what she's doing. And Jesus doesn't even realize who she is. And I love how verse 40 puts it. Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. That sounds serious. Your wife ever tells you that? You know something bad is coming. I have something to say to you. It sounds like like Jesus is, is, is annoyed at Simon's pitiful assumptions that he's so great and this woman is, is below him. And so Jesus begins to tell 
Simon of this story of two men who carried some debt and one had more than the other and the master forgave both debts. Who would be more grateful? Who would, who would express more love towards the master? Probably the one who had the greater debt. And Simon's like, yeah, that makes sense. I can see that. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not following. What, what, are you, what are you saying, Jesus? And then Jesus begins to show him the thorn in his own eye. He says, all you did was invite me into your home. That's all you did. You just showed me a little bit of appreciation. If I invite you into my home, the norm is still much like it was in Jesus' day, right? I, I should offer you something to drink. I should, off, I should probably have a meal prepared for you. You know, light a candle to freshen up the, the aroma. You know, clean up a little bit. That's the least I can do. Simon didn't even do the least he could do. And then he looks down on this woman who's doing the things that he should be doing. And many times, church, where I'm going with this is, is we're a lot like Simon. Because we come into the church grumpy, griping, upset about something. Upset because I had a hard time finding parking. Upset because no one shook my hand. Upset because there's no paper towels in the restroom. Upset because they never play my song. I'm going to go to another church where they play my song. And, and, and we make it about our gratitude. We, we make our gratitude and our joy and our mood dependent on the things rather than the who that we came to worship in the first place. And it's good. A couple of you are getting the message this morning. And then other people come in like this woman. And maybe they don't see what you see. Maybe they don't see what you see, but it's because they're not trying to look at what you see. They're here for Jesus. And so they come to the altar and they worship with no reservation. And they, they, they do things that you're like, what, what, are, what are you doing? She just, that, that's not how we worship here. I don't like the way she worships. I don't like the way that she, she dances. What is she doing? There's, there's some people that come in, they're, they're doing like this, this weird dance. And people are like, what is, does she even know how to worship? What are they, what are they doing? And, and, and these are the ones that bring out the tambourines, right? And, and, and by the way, tambourines are off limits to our members. PSA, okay. <laughs> but they're the ones who come with, in their purse because they don't know any better that we don't like tambourines. And they worship with everything that they have. They're not worried that there was no paper in the restrooms. And I, I understand that that could be annoying. Okay. But they're here for Jesus. They came to worship for Jesus, the brokenhearted, the sinner, the orphan, the widow, the one that's going through a divorce, the one that just lost a loved one, those here to fall more in love with Jesus and fall upon the mercies of Christ. Their savior are not concerned with the things that we see that make us grumpy when we come to church, their gratitude is grounded on God alone. They'll probably be back next week if their gratitude is in the right place. And I think that the church can learn from that. I think that the church can, can be reminded of that zeal that we had, of that moment where we were just in the car minding our own business after the day that we got saved and we just started to break down into tears because, man, God is so good. I don't deserve it. I'm not worth it. But you love me anyways. You see past my sin. I can't do anything to deserve that. 
That's what I'm thankful for. That's what I'm thankful for. Not this car that I'm driving in. Not just, not just my, my health. Not just my, my job. I'm thankful for you, my God. If you took away everything, you are enough. That is the posture that the church needs to come back into of gratitude, not appreciation. And I wonder, what would, what would God need to strip from our lives so that he could know if we are truly grateful? I want to challenge you this morning, church, today and every day, not to ask, what am I grateful for, but who am I grateful to? What am I, who am I grateful to? Because that will take your gratitude to new heights. It will shift the things in your life again like they did when you first came to Christ. It'll affect your joy. It'll affect your mood, your attitude. Who are you grateful to? Because when you get into that posture, will you not pour out everything that you have just like this woman did? Will you not see above the things when you're looking at the creator of all the things? Will your posture not change on your way to church every Sunday morning? You're going to be, I mean, you're having a crazy Sunday morning. The, the kids aren't listening. You, you went to McDonald's and they take forever, but you're still so happy because Jesus never changes. And Jesus is going to be there when you get to church. You might show up a little bit late, but he's going to be there. That is what I believe we need to come back to church. Grounded gratitude in God, not things. Not things. Because we're not going to take any of the things with us. It's all going to be about him. And this morning, Lord, we just want to say thank you. Not for anything, but because of who you are. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Right there where you're at, just begin to say thank you to God. Come on. Come on, show him your gratitude this morning. Don't think about what you have, what you don't have. This is not about that. We're thanking him for his infinite love, for his infinite mercy that he has poured out upon us sinners. My God, I am thankful, my God. I am thankful because of you. I am thankful because without you, there would be no me. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at PrimeraIglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.